Well, good afternoon. Merry Christmas, y'all. Thank you. I'm glad you responded, or else that would have been awkward. Um, my name's Kyle. I get to serve in the children's ministry in the first through fifth grade as my kind of wheelhouse. I really don't like how... <laughs> it seems that we get the rap for being messy, but really, I mean, y'all got the same problem, it appears, so... I don't know how that got switched around. But anyways, no, I've just been invited just to kind of share the event tonight, the one that we all come here and celebrate. And it's been something that I've just been really excited about as I've been studying it, and so I'm just glad I get this opportunity. The reason that this event is so big and so cool is that it's because it's part of this bigger story, this greatest story that's ever been told. And in this greatest story ever told, there's this conflict that happens, and this event is really the beginning of the resolution to that conflict. The beginning of this story We see God creating everything good, and he creates his garden, teeming with life, and we see man being placed in it, and being in this relationship with God where they get to experience his goodness. However, it's not long after this that our antagonist comes in, the bad guy. He comes in as a snake, and he begins to have this conversation with Eve, one of the humans that God created, and he says, you know what? Here's the thing. I know when God was setting this thing up, he put a tree in the middle of the garden. And I know he told you, you know, don't eat from it because it's going to bring death when you do. But here's the real deal on it. If you actually eat from this, it's going to be good for you. You're going to get this knowledge. You're going to become like God. And so what happens is man actually does not listen to their creator and actually rebels against him and takes from the tree and eats the fruit. When that happened, the consequence that God said would happen actually comes about. Sin begins to infect all of creation from the roots up, and everything gets disjointed, fractured. Creation itself gets cursed, relationships get broken, pain gets intensified, and we sit here and the story seems to have taken a bad turn. However, in the midst of the consequences, God does this thing. He presents this promise, this hope. And this hope is that one day an offspring is going to come. And he's going to come back and he's going to stomp the head of this snake that sparked the rebellion in man. In the first through fifth graders, we've been calling this snake, this offspring guy, the snake crusher. It's a term that I think just gets some, you know, some good gusto, some bolster to it. Now, as the story would unfold, it's long. I'm not going to go through it all because by that time you'd be sleeping and your minds would be elsewhere. But we see this pattern where over and over again the story just seems to get worse. And we begin to ask this question like, is this snake crusher going to come through? Is God going to make good in his promise about this snake crusher? And as the story would seem to get worse, the thing that's cool though is this snake crusher, we found out more about him we find out that he's going to come and he's going to bless all the nations. And he's going to come, he's going to be this ruler. And we find out this cool thing that God promises one of his people's kings, this guy is named King David. And he looks at David and says, David, listen, I'm going to make a king come from you, from your line, and he's going to reign forever. There's not going to be a time when he's not reigning. It's going to come, I promise. But like I said, like I said, our story's long. And it seemed to have gotten just worse and worse. But then this event comes around. The setting for this event is one that makes us wonder what's going on. 
It seems as though the snake crusher's not coming, the forever king's not actually going to show up. However, what we find is God's people are under a foreign rule. They're wondering, where's our king? Where's he going to come from? And they actually haven't heard from God in a long time. And so they're stuck there. What's going on? However, in this long time of silence, this time when they didn't hear from God, all of a sudden, God would come in. And he would send this messenger. He would send this angel, one of his best, named Gabriel. He would pick him and say, listen, it's time. We're, you're going to go tell the people, the person I want you to tell, you're going to tell her the message. It's time. And so what we see is we see God saying this angel to one of our main characters of this whole event. It's this Jewish teenage girl, for all cases and purposes, could be summed up as, really, she's a nobody from a no-name town from nowhere. No one would look at her and say, like, oh, this is, this is where the king's going to come from. This is where that snake crusher that's going to set everything back right, that's going to crush the snake and destroy evil, this is where he's going to come from. No, no, we wouldn't have thought that. But to this girl, the angel Gabriel comes. And he brings the message, which he must have been a stag to bring, because he sat there and watched this story unfold, and watched it go from bad to worse, and wanting the snake crusher to come in, but he never does. And then finally he's sent with the message. And he comes to Mary, and he says, Mary, Mary, here's the deal. Check this out. You're going to have a son. And he's not just going to be any son. No, this is going to be the son that you guys have been waiting for, that the story has longed for since the conflict. We've wanted this resolution to come. No, this is now where it's coming. It's coming to you. You're going to be giving birth to the long-awaited king that you've wanted for so long, to the long-awaited snake crusher that's going to set everything right. And Mary's response, which has to be by the grace of God, is belief. She hears this angel who she's somewhat like, freaked out about, by the way, who has, the angel has to be like, hey, calm down, it's okay. We're just going to talk. And then all of a sudden she's like, wait, so this is going to happen. Okay, okay, that makes sense. But her next question that follows the angel's announcement is one that shows she has some basic understanding of biology. She kind of looks at the angel and says, okay, listen, hey, um, me and my mom and dad had this conversation about the birds and the bees, and in order for what needs to happen, what you say is going to happen, which it's going to happen. You said it. You're from God. I'm not going to question that. I know a thing or two has to take place that hasn't before. We tracking? Everyone over 13? We're good? Okay. So there's this question Mary has, just like, how is this going to happen? And the answer that the angel gives, on one hand is simple, but the other hand is just this profound mystery, is that he looks at Mary and says, Mary, here's the deal. God himself is going to come over you and The power of himself is going to overshadow you and you're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to the Son of God, to God himself. You are going to give birth. In short, God's going to do what he wants to do because he can do whatever he wants. 
Nothing's impossible with him. So if he wants, he's going to come in the form of a baby. Am I going to understand that fully? No. He's uncomprehensible. He's all-powerful. He's the one that spoke everything into being. And I'm not going to try to understand. I'm going to be more amazed at the profound mystery that this is than try to understand all the finite details. Instead, and Mary responds this way too. She says, okay, I... I believe he's going to be the king. I believe that this is going to be the one that we've waited for so long for, the one that's going to bring resolution to this whole story from the conflict that happened way back here. I believe it. And so let's, uh, let it be done. And on one hand, her response almost seems dry and militaristic, almost like, yes, sir, I'll, I'll fulfill my command. But we see in, a little bit later in the story that she goes and visits one of her family members, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is shown by God that the Mary, or not the Mary, sorry, the baby inside of Mary is the one that's going to bring resolution to the conflict. Is the snake crusher that we've longed for for so long is actually inside of Mary. And so she says this to Mary, and all of a sudden we get to see Mary's reaction. She's ecstatic. She begins to celebrate. She praises God for choosing her, to allowing her to know him as king. And what's cool about Mary here is what she does is she acknowledges that the baby that's in her tummy is king. And as that happens, the goodness of the king actually begins to fill her. And you see this as she begins just to overflow with celebration. And she is just to praise the king for just saying, you are who you say you are. Thank you for being faithful to resolve the conflict that was way back here. Thank you for now doing that through this baby that's inside of me. And she just gets to celebrate who he is. Now, I don't want to separate this from the reality of the situation either. Because what we find out about Mary, too, is that she's also engaged She's engaged to this guy named Joseph. And so while on the one hand, the command is divine and it's crystal clear what's going to happen and who this baby is, there's still a reality where she has to walk to Joseph, her fiancé, and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm pregnant, but it's, it's not what you think, I promise. Here's what happened. And Joseph gets the news. And he listens and now is put in this dilemma. Take the woman that he loves, that he wants to be with for the rest of his life, and is pregnant with a kid he knows isn't his. And with that then comes the loss of the honor and the prestige of the family name that his daddy and his granddaddy and the granddaddy before that built up. And he's going to lose all that by taking her. And he sits there and says, no, I, I can't. I'm sorry. And he decides, you know, I'm going to, I love you though. I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to divorce it quietly. We're not going to go to the public with this. And he goes and he falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, something crazy happens. This angel comes to him in a dream and says, listen, listen, Joseph, I know this whole thing seems crazy. I know you look at it and think, could it be possible? Well, yeah. Is it probable? No. But here's the thing. She's telling the truth. 
the whole thing is real. And I promise this is what's going to happen. He's actually the Savior. He's the one that's going to set, set right this conflict that happened. So listen, here's what I want you to do. I know it seems nuts, but I want you to actually go and take her as your wife. I want you to stay with her. So, Joseph, again, he's obedient. He goes and takes Mary to be his wife. And the weeks go by, and Mary's little bump turns into a bigger bump, and then a bigger one. And finally, she's at this point where she's about ready to get birth. Now, something really cruel, but kind of confusing, but crazy and cool all at the same time happens. There's the empire that's ruling over the entire area. Because remember, God's people aren't, are still under this rule. What he does, he says, hey, listen— I want everyone to go to their towns, their home places. And what I want you to do is I want you to go there to get counted. I don't care about the inconvenience of where you're going to be going. Just make sure you get there and get counted. And see, Mary and Joseph were in this town called Nazareth at the beginning of our story. And this rule of the ruler, or this command of the ruler rather, makes them go all the way back to Bethlehem where Joseph was from. And we look at it and we're like, well, so what? Like, yeah, they had to go because of a command. But what's crazy is that this snake crusher was actually promised to come from the place of Bethlehem. And so on one level, we just see a, a ruler enforcing his command. But on a different level, we see God sovereignly orchestrating this whole thing into place. Not one detail is going to go out, with, go be written without his fingerprints on it. And so in one way, while the ruler and the political power of the day was trying to flex his muscle, God was simply saying, you know what, hey, you're going to be my travel agent. Get me from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Thank you. Have a good day. And it's this reality, like, he's going to work the story out. It may be long, but the event's going to come. And so Mary and Joseph take the, tra- or take the route from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they get there, and they're in a place that's not home to them. But this is the time that Mary is going to give birth. This is the time that the Savior, the snake crusher that we wanted for, to resolve the conflict, to heal the brokenness that came into the story, is going to come into the world. But the, cra- the kind of weird part is, is that they're not going to find any place to have the child in the inn. And instead, they're going to end up in a stable. And in this stable is where the event happens. The event that we've been waiting for. The resolution begins to form the story of the conflict. It's this moment where the God of the universe comes and actually takes on the form of a baby. He's small, he's frail, fragile, but he's there. He's man and God, all in the same person. And it's this reality of like, all of a sudden, resolution's slowly starting to happen. This is only the first part. But we see that there's resolution coming to our bigger story. We see that God didn't just throw away his people and throw away his creation, but instead, out of grace and mercy, said, no, I'm not going to let you just go. I'm actually going to come to you. I'm going to take on the form of you. I'm going to be like you, and I'm going to be with you because I don't want you to go. No, I'm going to save you. I'm going to give you grace and mercy. I'm going to love you. And it begins this resolution. 
Now, how many people actually understood the resolution that was happening in this grand story? Maybe a handful. But what they actually understood in, qu- in quality, though, was huge. They understood that this is the long-awaited one that's going to actually resolve the things that we've wanted for so long is now going to come. And so on a human level, we're saying, okay, there's a few that get it. But what's even cooler, I think, is that heaven at this point is ecstatic. They've been wanting this. They've been watching this whole thing unfold. They're just sitting there like, come on, bring it. Just bring the snake crusher. Come on, bring him in. I'm longing for it. And finally it happens. And we get to see a little bit of heaven's party, if you will. Off on some hills, there's these shepherds hanging out with their sheep. And all of a sudden, whew, angel comes, just fills this night sky and just is sitting before him. Shepherds freak out. Like, no, what's going on? I don't know. Am I going to die? Am I going to live? Who knows? And then before this angel, and the angel, man, must have been pumped. He's just like, listen, I'm bringing you good news, good news that's global in scope. It's going to be for all people. Listen, there's a savior, the one that is going to resolve the conflict, the one that's going to crush the snake's head. He's finally coming. He's going to be here. Here, I'm going to prove it to you. You're going to go find him. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. He's going to be laid in a manger. After that, the whole night sky fills with angels. They begin praising God. They realize what's happened as he's come into the world. The Finally, the resolution that they've wanted for so long, he steps onto the scene and it's starting. They're saying, glory to God in the highest. It's happened. He's come to you guys. The shepherds, after the angels leave, are obedient. They hurry off and they go to find this child. And they find it just as the angel said, wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. I wonder if it must have been one of those moments like, oh, baby, cloths, angel, what he said. And then it just clicked. They acknowledge that Jesus, this little baby, somehow is the king of the universe, the one that they've wanted for so long to come and resolve the conflicts of the story. He's here. And you see in their reaction, they begin going, telling people, and they're like, listen, this is what the angel said. This is what we saw with the baby. This is what, and they, people wonder at it. And the cool part is, too, is that after they're done at the manger, they go back to their flocks. They don't quit being shepherds. But while they go back, they still acknowledge that the baby that was in the manger is still the king. They're still rejoicing and praising the entire time while they're there. Now, Mary and Joseph, they're still with the baby, though. Days go by, eight to be specific, and they pick the baby up, and they they go to the temple. And as was custom for them, too. It's their first, and so they were dedicated to the Lord. And so they walk in, and they begin doing the customaries that they need to do. And all of a sudden, there's this dude named Simeon. He's righteous, and he's devout. And Simeon was promised by God that he would not die until he saw the resolution to the story. He saw the Savior. He saw the one that was going to fix all of this. Simeon, filled by the Holy Spirit, sees Joseph and Mary walk in and begins praising God because he realized this is it. 
This is the one we've been waiting for. This baby is the one that we actually have been wanting for so long. And he holds Jesus in his arms. This little newborn infant, eight days old, with his small, weird fingers and his paper-like fingernails, the soft spot in his head. And he looks at it. And he looks at him, sorry. And he's like, God, you're, you're faithful. You stayed true to your promise. You're going to let me depart in peace, actually, because I've seen your salvation. And what Simeon does there is he begins to realize and acknowledge that this eight-year-old baby is how everything is going to get fixed. How the whole of humanity, how everyone, how all the problems are going to be resolved is in this eight-year-old baby. Or eight-day-old. My fault. <laughs> I'm realizing that like 17 lines in. I'm saying years. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, you're like eight years old. My fingernails aren't that paper thin. <laughs> All right. Now I got the nervous jitters out. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Whew. Okay. All right, then come back with me. Then come back with me and see this is more significant then. If you're looking at an eight-day-year-old baby, your last thought is... Did I say it again? Oh my goodness. They're never going to let me hear again. Okay. This eight day. There we go. You're looking. Okay. All right. There we go. There we go. Stay with me. You're looking at an eight day year old baby. The last. Do you want to come up? Uh... Okay. Eight days old. Eight days old. Simeon. Here we go. Let's, let's rewind and let's go in. Okay. Simeon sees Mary and Joseph come in, holding the baby. You guys are just waiting for it. (laughs) And it's at this moment, though, that he holds this eight-day-old baby. Good, good, okay, we got it. I'm flawed, I get it. Okay, eight-day-old baby, and... And looks at it though. And you don't look at an eight-day-old baby and think, this is going to solve all of humanity's problems. I mean, seriously, consider our world. Look at the wickedness of our hearts at times. How selfish we are and how things are just broken. Look at creation. I mean, the whole thing is just turned sideways. Who would look at an eight-day-old baby and say, this is how it's all going to get fixed? This one right here is going to set everything right. But that's what he does is that he looks at him and says, no, this is what I've longed to see. This is what all of humanity, we've been wanting to come until we would finally get resolved. And this eight-day-old baby, he looks and says, no, this is God's salvation. This is the one that's going to set everything right. This is going to be the forever king that we've wanted for so long. This is going to be the snake crusher that takes care of evil. And he looks at Mary and Joseph and just blesses them, fitting for what they've been through. And he looks at Mary, and he says this part where he looks at her and goes, listen, this baby, Jesus, that you've given birth to, he's going to be the rise and fall of many. And it's just this reality that he's pulling in that There's going to be those that look at Jesus and say, you know what? Cool story. 
Not the actual king, though. Not actually what's going to fix all of creation. Not actually the one that's going to make the problems right and that are wrong in the world. Cute scene. I'm good, though. And that's going to be their fall. However, there's also going to be those that are going to look at this manger and look at this baby and see the actual king and acknowledge who he is as king. And this is what I wish I would have been coming back to more, is that when, you, when we acknowledge who he is as king, we have to experience the goodness of the king. You've seen it in Mary's response in that she acknowledges, okay, that's who you are. I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm going to obey that. I'm going to be a servant to that. And she just gets filled up with joy and just leads to celebration. Joseph chooses the same thing. The shepherds, you see it in their response. They acknowledge who Jesus is as this king. They don't fully understand, but they know, okay, this baby, he's just, he's king. And this joy wells up within and in them, and it just overflows into celebration. Simeon has the exact same experience. And that he recognizes this is the king. This baby Jesus is the one that's going to save the world and set everything right. And for those of us that get to recognize it, that's why we stop. That's why we take time out of the year and take weeks in advance just to prepare ourselves to stop and say, this is the time. This is when he showed up. This is when the snake crusher came and he didn't stay far off. No, he didn't turn his back on us and just think, no, I'm over it. We're going to start again. No, he comes in and actually takes on our form and becomes like us. And it's the reason that we just continue to celebrate it over and over again, year after year. It's the reason that Christians all around the world are gathering together and just saying, man, this is the day he came. This is the day that the resolution began to come into the story. And so really, I hope you guys just get to celebrate tonight. Celebrate the fact that this is the day that the resolution to the conflict that we wanted, that our hearts longed for, actually came into the person and didn't stay far off. So, we have to do that by singing some more songs. Before that, I'm just going to pray for us. So if you bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you didn't stay far off, but instead you came and you became in the form of a baby. We don't understand that, but it's so beautiful, and it's something that we're grateful for. God, thank you that um, we just get to celebrate that as a body. Thank you that we get to celebrate that with families later. God, we just ask that we just continue to celebrate it. And Father, um, yeah, I ask that you use the words that I said tonight and just the story that I was trying to tell. Um, with all its flaws and imperfections, that um, you just allow them, your people to see who you are more and allow us to appreciate you more. I pray this all in your name. Amen.